Hello. This conversation is with Jim Lindsay, and it was released on May 21st, 2021, as part of the Conversations on Family Urban Disaster Planning Summit. Hello, I am Daniel with Emergency Action Planning, and in today's installment of Conversations on Family Urban Disaster Planning, I am happy to be speaking with Jim Lindsay. Now, Jim has spent most of his career helping other people. He works in the real estate and mortgage lending profession, and eventually he got into the credit repair assistance field before entering his coaching profession. Now, through his career choices, Jim has realized that he can connect with people fairly easy, and he's passionate about helping people. And Jim sees opportunities where other people see problems. Jim started his career in real estate and eventually became a licensed real estate broker in Pennsylvania. And he has found it to be very rewarding in assisting other people or home buyers achieving their first home. He also works with Habitat for Humanity in Buck and Delaware counties in Pennsylvania. And Jim has refined his coaching skills and style to focus on introducing clients to their limiting beliefs and thoughts and feelings surrounding finances and money. Now, Jim coaches his clients to be empowered and make changes. He helps his clients find and adopt the beliefs that save them time, serve them better, and allow them to achieve their short and long-term goals. So tell me, Jim, what was it that got you into the whole financial industry and how does that build into disaster preparedness? Uh, Daniel, first off, I want to thank you for having the opportunity to be able to be here uh, on your meeting. And I learned a long time ago that real estate can be the way of people with very simple or limited means to be able to build a network. So I got involved in real estate. I guess I should have known something when I was a kid when my favorite game was Monopoly. It got to the point where nobody wanted to play with me. So uh, that's kind of where things started with me. And in my journey of working with people with their credit and mortgages and financing, I found that there were some patterns that people consistently occur. And one of the things I noticed is that people would have money and then it would disappear. Right. And I've actually been through some of those ups and downs myself. But what I did is I wanted to help people, but I wanted to take it to another level. So I got involved in a coaching program that was about six months and over 300 hours. And in that coaching program, I found the area or specialty that I felt just was perfect for me. And it was limiting beliefs and people have limiting beliefs around money. But what I want to do is I help people make aware of beliefs that they never knew they had. So most of our money beliefs that we have are transgenerational, which means they basically came not only from our parents, but our grandparents and maybe our great-grandparents. Uh, as a child, I used to say I was a child of a depression child, never realizing what that really meant. But the beliefs that I learned about money and scarcity and fear were the beliefs that my mother had when her mother lost everything in the Great Depression. I don't know why they call it great. There's nothing great about it. During the depression of the uh, late 20s and the early 30s. So as you mentioned earlier, I introduced people to their beliefs, thoughts, feelings, and fears surrounding money that they never knew they had. By helping them become aware of their limiting money beliefs, they are empowered to make changes, releasing old attitudes and patterns, and adopting beliefs that make them, that serve them better, 
and allow them to achieve their long and short-term life and financial goals. So what I like to help people do is my phrase that I say over and over again that makes people uh, sick is that today's awareness creates tomorrow's opportunity. And I'll say that over. Go ahead. I was going to say that's fantastic. So, but I'm trying to build this into uh, disaster planning here. So now I, I do understand that if we're not financially stable, we're going to have a hard time no matter what we're doing. It doesn't Absolutely. really matter. So Absolutely. if I'm not financially stable, I mean, my disaster might be my transmission blew out. My disaster might be that I need to replace a window in the house. And if I'm not capable of doing that, how can I do anything else? So, so what you're, I hear you saying is by building a financial foundation for yourself in general, you'll be able to expand on that to develop your disaster plan for future work and uh, to get yourself out of trouble if you need to in the future. Is that correct? Absolutely. And that's exactly why we want to talk about now is the time to take care of our finances. Right. Just think about this. If, if we wanted to drive from, uh, I know you're in Florida and I'm in Pennsylvania, but if we wanted to jump in a car and drive to California, we would either use the GPS in our car or the GPS on our cell phone. We would have a guidance system that would help keep us on track. Or when we make that wrong turn or left turn that we shouldn't, our GPS will get us back on track. But what we want to do is we want to help people develop a budget. Because if we can help people develop a budget, that will be the path that will allow them to, one, get to financial freedom. But before that, more importantly, they're going to develop an emergency fund. And they're going to be able to to, uh, build and develop a fund in case there is some type of disaster. And when you're you're planning and you have the assets and the supplies, a disaster is incredibly inconvenient. If you are not prepared and you don't have the financial ability to withstand it, it can become a catastrophe. Well, this is unfortunately something that's not very well taught in school, it appears to be. We don't get that education for some reason, even though we take a lot of math. I'm not sure why we don't get taught about economy or economics. So as a, say I'm just getting started and I'll say I've got a wife and a kid and I'm just starting a job. What can I do to start setting myself up for the future so I can become long-term financially stable and at the same time, take some of that funds and put together a working emergency plan for myself and my loved ones? Daniel, these are great questions. And when I work with a family or an individual, these are some of the questions I ask. I ask people, do you have an emergency? I ask them if they have a budget. And I ask them those questions in that order because basically they're out of order. But people don't want to think about what they don't want to think about. So we had this discussion as far as, okay, you have an emergency fund. And then the next question I ask is, do you have a budget? Now, some people have a budget where they write things out or maybe they use a spreadsheet. Other people like to use a series of envelopes and then they put all their money in their envelopes, but they have a system or a pattern. So my next question is, if you don't have a budget and you're not using an envelope system, how do you pay for things? Do you use a debit card? Or a credit card, and every time you need something, your wife wants something, you just go to the store and just swipe that card. Right. And I've seen people actually in the store go check their balance or their account 
before they go buy something in the. I, I see just, that oh, because they have no. They're needing to find out exactly where they are, right? <laughs> they don't know what their status is, but they're willing to spend money, right? Yes. So, and again, this is where the awareness comes in. So, one of the things I ask people to do is if they don't have a budget, and I always carry pens, as my dry cleaner will tell you. I have a red pen and I have a green pen. And uh, what I'll ask somebody to do is get this last three months or if they really want to be challenge themselves and get the last six months of their bank statement. Now, a lot okay. of people look at them online and they may not have access to a printer to be able to print them out. But your your financial institution will normally send them out to you. You can pick them up if, if they're open based on what's going on with the pandemic. And with your green pen, I want you to circle all of your deposits. Um, anything that comes into the account. And then with your red pen, go through and circle all of your, all the things you're spending. So after your rent or mortgage and your car payment, because they're normally the two, they would be the biggest things that would be, you would be your expenditures on a monthly basis. Uh, though some people have childcare and that could be as much as a house payment or a car payment. So after you've taken a look at your larger payments, where are you spending your money day in and day out? And what you'll be able to do is you'll see an awareness or pattern of how you spend money. And where that becomes important is now I have an idea what I'm doing. I can now develop a plan, save money for an emergency, and then start to develop saving for my short-term goal, which would be my emergency fund, after I have something set up for some type of disaster or something comes up that I can't control, and then we can start working on our long-term uh, pattern or our long-term growth. We so, so, what I, so what I hear you saying is we're identifying what we have coming in and what we have going out. If we're taking what we have going out, we're category, categorizing that into must-haves and possibly what am I worth by spending money on this for so we can find some way to reprocess that whole money process, right? Absolutely. And uh, I'll give you two quick examples. And one of my favorite quotes is habits, not choices, rule the unreflecting herd. Okay. I thought that that's a great quote because um, if you walked into a wall, I did this uh, um, little survey and for one of the other organizations I work with. So if in a local store, uh, cup of coffee was $1.65. They have smaller ones and they have larger ones. So if you went and spent $1.65 every day for coffee, seven days a week, over a period of a year, you would spend just over $100. Okay. No. Now, let's just say you smoke. Now, I live in the state of Pennsylvania. No, no judgment here, but just an example. Average cost of cigarettes, a pack of cigarettes in the state of Pennsylvania is about $8. You bought a pack of cigarettes a day you spent three thousand dollars this year. Okay. So if you take it, if you think about what we were talking about, as far as being prepared, I know in a conversation that uh, Daniel, you and I had, you said that for two people, for about three days of supply, they could be prepared for about three hundred dollars. Is that correct? For Roughly, yes. Yeah, sorry. So if you this think was, it was just a couple of years ago, so it might have gone up since then, uh, based on the economy, you know, and uh, the rising cost of living, but I don't, it wouldn't be more than 350, you know, and 
the majority of the items, if you were to start buying stuff, you probably have a lot of it already in your home. You just don't know it. You need to go inventory and track that stuff down. That could save you money. Right. So if I had a family of four, then if what I'm hearing, I could conceivably with what I already have in my home and just buying things at a, a little bit at a time, a few items a week, that I'm going to invest less than $600. And I will start to rotate that, those things I bought through my, through my regular foods and things that I buy, correct? I'm going, to, I'm going to rotate that stock out. Yes, that's the best way to do it. You want to keep a rotation of your food stocks and your water stocks, have them moving through your kitchen. That way you simply replenish them. You always have fresh food. And what that does over a period of time is you're not really spending more money. You're just buying groceries like you normally would once you have it all set up. And, and that's my point. For what I would spend every day for a cup of coffee, I reallocated those same funds. I now can have some supplies for my family in case we run into an emergency. Absolutely. So then tell me now, once we've gone, let's say I've gone through your process there with my bank statements and I've identified some things that, oh my God, what was I thinking? I can cut that stuff out. Now it's nice at the moment when I think about it, but tomorrow's another day and I might not be thinking about it. So how would you recommend that I keep track of what I'm thinking so that I can manifest what I want to do. Well, Daniel, that's a great, that's a great um, question. And you're half a step ahead of me. One of the things that I would love to offer to any of the people that come onto your Zoom is I put together a very simple uh, spreadsheet and I would be okay. happy to send that to them. And my email is coach Jim Lindsay, J I N L I N D S A Y at Gmail. I want to make it very simple. It's my name, coach, my name, and then at the end, uh, at Gmail. And what this will do is I would ask people to sit down and say, okay, what do I think my budget's going to be? And then we would list that. And then at the end of the month, you have the opportunity to find out what exactly your actual numbers were. So let's say you earned a little bit more money because you picked up some overtime. Then your income came up a little bit. And let's say some of your Maybe you spent more on groceries this month, but then you spent less on eating out. And the biggest expense in dealing with individuals and families is actually poor meal planning. And let me give you an example. Uh, it's tough to figure out your meals for the week. And what normally happens, if I've talked to families that say, Jim, you know, my husband and I, we have, we have five kids. So there's seven in our family. If we decide we're going to go to a fast food restaurant, and I won't name one because they're all interchangeable, it's going to cost us $60 to go and get fast food. And if we go to that other place that has chicken, it's going to be $10 more. Right. If you think about that, seven people, basically $10 for a meal, soda, and some fries. How much groceries do you buy for $70. So that's the consistent area that when I work with people that they find out. So one, ask you to figure out one, what you think your budget is based on taking the last three to six months worth of your, of your what's going through your checking account, savings account. Then what you'll do at the end of the month, all you need to do is put in what you spent and the worksheet will actually tell you if you have more money, which means that maybe you spent less on a category or if you spent 
more than you expected and you're in the negative. And then it will add it up for you. So it's very simple. Uh, as much as I do this stuff, I don't like math. But I have learned to love spreadsheets because it makes it really easy. And if you don't want to do a spreadsheet, you can just actually, I'll just send you the, the paper that you could just print it out and you could just fill the items in there if you're not computer friendly. So you and I are of a different generation where we had to learn computers a little bit different. So the goal here is really quickly is I want to start tonight. I want to start thinking about how I spend my money. I want to think about how can I start to buy food, rotate it out, and if there's an emergency, you know, do I have the things I need in my home? Now, let's just say for some reason, I'm going to leave my home and I'm going to go somewhere else. We have to figure in what's the cost of that. You know, how am I going to get there? Am I going to get there by bus? Am I going to get there by car? You know, am I going to be able to get a Uber? I, I don't know. And if, is my car, because I've seen these when there's a storm coming and everybody's in 12 hours of bumper to bumper traffic going nowhere. If I have an older car, is it going to hold up under those conditions? Well, that's quite true. You need to look into those things there. And, and unfortunately, it's a very broad categorical stuff that everybody's different. We have, and there's no way, there's no one size fits all. I think that's the best way to put it here. So since there's no one size fits all, how would you walk me through the process? So what is the, uh, how would the drum beat for me so that I could start putting this together? I've got the, uh, I've identified my, my expenditures. I have identified my money coming in. I've started putting a budget together, but I still need a little help, especially in starting up a the disaster fund, so to speak. How do I how do I look at that? Well, I think the great part of that is you take a look at the kind of foods that you're going to eat for those three or four days, what you're going to need. And um, I noticed that in, in the in your book you put together where they can get a list of things to have in the house. So I would go when I go grocery shopping, if I can pick up two or three of these items. Every time I go shop and start to uh, rotate my stock, I can probably have a couple days supply free. So right. The first step is let's get the things I need in case I have to stay here for a few days. How can we survive? What are the things that we could eat that, um, that we don't necessarily need power for? And then we have to figure out what we like and what we don't like. It doesn't matter if we have it. I mean, you know, can we eat it? What type of, uh, not candy, but like granola bars or things like that that we can have, and hopefully the kids don't eat them before before we need them. Those type of things, as far as getting your grocery list together and figuring out, okay, can I budget another twenty five dollars every time I go shopping, start to get some of these things and rotate them out in the stock, and then figure out what my family likes and what my family doesn't like, so that we can start to build a, a list. Okay, of so. So what I hear you saying for short term, basically, you yes. up your budget, so to speak, so that way you can start amassing all the stuff that you need. That's on your shopping list and you start studying it and going through it. And that's a limited short term thing. And then it will fall off at some point. And then you can take that money and put it into another venue, right? Well, after we get through the emergency, like the, what we would say, disaster preparation, then we go into an emergency. And the emergency fund is how much would I need to survive a couple of months if I couldn't work, my plant shuts down or something like that. And this was where your budget comes back. Because if you know what you have coming in now, 
and you know what you have going out. One of the things that I did when I looked at some various budgets put together, a lot of them didn't really have a savings a savings built in there. I put in a suggested 10% of your income. So if you're fortunate enough to bring home $3,000 a month, I'm suggesting that you save $300. That's, and then you take that out first. So of that $3,000 you have, you have $2,700 left to pay your rent, pay your car payment, pay your insurance, your utilities, all the things that you need. And then you have to budget for things like car insurance that maybe you pay every six months. Or, you know, what is your monthly health care? Or if you have to go to the doctors, what is your deductible? What are you going to have to pay every time you go? So by taking a couple months and looking at how you spent your money over the last three to six months, you'll have a pretty good idea. You might not like it, but you'll have a pretty good idea of where your expenses are. Now, now you were empowered to say, have, make a game of it. Where can I reduce? What can I do to cut this balance back? Then on the other hand, what do I do? Do I have opportunities to maybe pick up some more hours? If it's appropriate, can I pick a part-time job up? Or can my uh, significant other maybe get a part-time job? What are some other ways to, where we become empowered, instead of saying, I can't do that, I ask myself, what's the way it can be done? How can I do it? Okay, so, so once we've made this decision that we need to empower ourselves and, and we've firmly planted that in our mind that this is something that we actually really do need to do. The, the interesting thing, you mentioned uh, your car insurance being a lot of people pay every six months as opposed to monthly. So when I'm looking at putting my budget together, what do I do? Do I get a different bank account for that money? I just put this money aside separately and keep it out of my mind. More or less, you know, out of sight, out of mind, but just like keep feeding it. Can I do like automatic deposits with my monthly or my weekly checks to, to fund that system? Or what are the tools I can use? Daniel, I had I had a, uh, a client that wanted to buy a house. And what she did is she set up money to go directly out of her paycheck into a credit union that was a half hour away. Right. And her thought process was, she says, Jim, if I really needed that money, I could get it out. If I had an emergency, if she had a debt, she had a card, she could be able to get that card out. It was all, right. it was, it was a half hour away. In her normal course of her life, she would not drive by. And that's what she did. If she had that money automatically put into another account, and I have friends of mine that do the same thing for their taxes, for their, for their uh, property taxes. If they just have it go into a separate bank account, they never see it. It comes directly off of their out of their paycheck. And then when their taxes come due, they just uh, go in and they literally get a check and then take it and put it in their other checking account. They just keep, they don't commingle those things at all. So sometimes until we get used to it, a little bit of discipline is a good way to go. Obviously, we want to make sure we can get to a financial institution that doesn't have fees if we have a small balance in the account. Okay, so the bottom line from what I'm hearing here is let's identify what we got coming in. Let's see what we have going out. Based Definitely, on what yeah. we have going out, find out what is must-have that we have to spend. We have no choice. And what is 
a luxury or a nice to have, or, oh my God, what was I thinking when I bought that type of thing? So we can look at how we're going to manage that money. we got the must-have stuff that's already yours, set in stone. Now we have the maybe stuff over here. And from that money, then we start budgeting and divvying that up into different places for it to do what we want for it, right? Right. So, so we have our emergency fund as far as disaster. Then we have you know, our emergency fund. If, if we're a homeowner, what do we do if our hot water heater breaks? Like your example earlier of the transmission. You know, right. if, you have, if you have the money somewhere in your bank account, when your transmission goes, it's an inconvenience. If you don't have that money and you don't have a credit card to pay that, now it becomes a catastrophe. My goal in life, I don't like surprises other than my birthday. So I want to okay. work to avoid those. So we, we plan for disaster. Then we start to build our up to six months of our, of our expenses, six months of living. And then we can start to work on our long-term goals as far as things that we want to do as a family, maybe retirement, maybe a home. Uh, we have children and colleges in the horizon. But it doesn't make sense to start saving for college for our kids until we have these other things in we're going to walk before we run. Right. So, so tell me, are there any, let's say social or psychological benefits about being financially stable? Oh my gosh. Peace of mind. And this is where it comes back to our original part of our conversation about our money beliefs are transgenerational. If my mom always worried about money and my dad always worried about money, if I'm not worried about money, there's something wrong. I don't, I don't feel right. So what I ask people to do is to start to, you know, question your belief of how, how you arrived at that belief. And it's okay to change it. If it's not empowering you, if it's not helping you get better, then, then maybe it's time to let this go. And, and we see this a lot of times as genuine professional athletes. People that come from nothing, make a tremendous amount of money, and two to three years after they retire, they're either bankruptcy or in severe uh, financial strain. So what we want to do financially, it all starts here in our head. And we absolutely can plan and realize the fact is that just because we started out one way doesn't mean that we have to finish that way. We have other options. In so what you're saying is simple factor, the simple concept of being financially stable, wages your survivability, quotient radically in the world, no matter what's going on. Yes. And to, to go back to your uh, uh, statement about being financially secure versus like, feel like you're teetering. If, if somebody was sitting next to you, Daniel, if you or I, as you and I are talking, if somebody poked you in the ribs as we were talking, it would be inconvenient and it would feel uncomfortable. But after a while, that poking in the ribs is going to distract our conversation. When we have fear stress and we feel overwhelmed by our finances, that's that same poking in the red. It makes it very difficult for us to have a conversation because I can tell you're attempting to focus, but you're really not there. It really makes right. it so hard for me to connect and help you if you're not there. And just like if I'm not here with you, fully engaged with you, it's very difficult for you to engage me. Well, that's all good. And so tell me, is there any way anyone could get a hold of you if somebody wants to follow up with you on any type of subjects as far as financial management? How can Absolutely. they reach you? Absolutely. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Easiest way to reach me would be coachjimlindsay at gmail.com. 
I have some, uh, we're doing some things later in the year as far as some workshops to help people overcome some of their mindsets and their money. If anybody's interested, I'll be happy to send those information to people uh, as they become available later in the year. And the beauty of having this conversation with you, Daniel, is it gives me the opportunity that people can make changes in their life and the first step is awareness. All right, great. And that, that spreadsheet, you're going to send it to us and we're going to put it here on the page somewhere for people to download. But we recommend that they also reach out to you to answer your questions. Absolutely. That would be my plan. Absolutely. Okay. So we've covered quite a bit here. Is there anything that we have not covered? Is there anything sitting on the top of your mind that you would like to share with me and with our audience? Daniel, I think the most important message is to start tonight. If you can only put a dollar away a day, in a year you have $300 because you're starting today. It's always better to start today than tomorrow. Okay. So get started. The sooner the better, right? Yes. All right. Sounds good. Okay, Jim. Thank you, Daniel, for being a part of this. It's been an honor and a pleasure. Well, it's my pleasure talking to you too. And we're going to see how this goes. This is all real. This is Daniel at a Burns Action Planning with the Family Urban Disaster Planning Conversations and Jim Lindsay with some financial management planning tips. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Daniel. Have a great night.